Welcome to Reconciled Church Miami, Pastor Aldo Leon. I switched up Sunday sermon. Um, I just, I don't know, I just felt like I, I wanted to be somewhere else this week. I didn't want to be, that's better, thank you, oh my gosh. I wanted to be somewhere else this week, and I wanted to go in, uh, I wanted to be in Elijah's ministry in 1 Kings 18. And the reason why I wanted to be there is just, you know, we had a meeting last week about our church going through transitions. So we're transitioning out of a denomination. We're still Acts 29. We're going out of a denomination and we're, you know, potentially going into, looking to go into another one. And I wanted to just declare what our church will be about no matter where we are. And I thought Elijah's ministry really summarizes what we'll be focusing on no matter what hat we're wearing, okay? And, I, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm sympathetic to Elijah because I kind of am more like a prophetic kind of figure, you know? Like one of those guys that's like rough, so I, I can identify with that. But, but I still think that uh, what Elijah shows us is really summarizing what's going to be core in our church no matter where we are. And if I could summarize where we're going, I'll say our ministry will always be controversial no matter where we are. Our ministry will always be confrontational no matter where we are. Our ministry will always be supernatural no matter where we are. Our ministry will be, and I'll unpack this slowly for you guys, our ministry will be reformational no matter where we are. Our ministry will be covenantal no matter where we are. Our ministry will be cruci-central, but I mean cross-centered no matter where we are. Our ministry will be oppositional no matter where we are. Our ministry will be proclamational no matter where we are. Our ministry will be theocentric, God-centered no matter where we are. Our ministry will be powerfully effectual no matter where we are. And our ministry will be redemptively catastrophic, no matter where we are. And our ministry will be recreational, no matter where we are. So first thing, where are we going to plant ourselves no matter where we are? And that is, our ministry will always be controversial. I get that from verse 17. I'm not going to read all of chapter 18, just for time's sake. But I'm going to read Isaiah, uh, 1 Kings 18 as we go through it. So I get that from verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab told him, Is that you, destroyer of Israel? He replied, I have not destroyed Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have abandoned the Lord's commands and you have followed the balls. You know what happens a lot of times? When, when ministry has lots of controversy, we assume something. You know what we assume? That there must be something wrong because there's lots of controversy. Right? Like, man, things wouldn't be so controversial if they were okay. But what we see from Elijah's ministry is that Elijah's ministry, uh, the religious people are saying, you're ruining Israel with your religion. And this always is the case. I remember one time I had a family, my wife was approached by a family member, and the family member said, you are ruining our religion. And what they're saying is, is that basically the way you worship and how you worship is ruining our religion. But beloved, do you guys remember something about Jesus' ministry? Jesus' ministry was always controversial, right? Now, you can be controversial for wrong reasons. But Jesus' ministry was always controversial. You notice like everywhere he went, people wanted to hit him with stones. Everywhere he went, people wanted to kill him. At the end of his ministry, he then, what happened? He killed him. What about the Apostle Paul? Remember the Apostle Paul's ministry? What happened to the Apostle Paul everywhere he went? Riots. Beat him up with stones. I mean, jail. Guys, biblical ministry will always be controversial. It will always be controversial. Just simply how it is. Just why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, the ministry of the cross is what? It's foolishness to those who are perishing. So, guys, we are never going to be pleasing 
and okay with the Miami culture. That's just not going to happen. We're not going to do church so that we're not going to be controversial for people in Miami. That's just not going to happen. Why? Because our ministry will always be controversial. Whether we wear this hat or the other hat. Makes sense? So it's not just controversial. Our ministry will also be confrontational. It will be confrontational. Verse 19 says, Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal. So, all right, bring all the false teachers, the 400 prophets of Asherah. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And the people didn't answer him a word. So he basically says, look, we are here to confront Baal's ministry. We are here to challenge Baal's ministry. Have you guys familiar with what happens when there's a fire? What do you do when there's a fire? Well, like a big fire. You, you, yeah, you, you say, hey, fire. You don't, do you do this? Do you do this when there's a big fire? Do you say, uh, it smells kind of smoky in here. Do you do that? Do, do, do you like, it's kind of warm in here. You don't do that, do you? When there's a fire, you say, fire! Wait, I can't do that in the building, right? But I'm speaking metaphorically, illustrationally. Oh, my gosh. I just realized that was a bad idea. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Do you think? I hope they didn't hear outside. Why? Because it's something very serious and dangerous. And so, beloved, and I, I'm not talking about being confrontational. We can be confrontational in a very bad way. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can be kind of like confrontational for confrontation's sake. But in a very real way, beloved, our ministry is confrontational. Why? Because we're dealing with real fires, dangerous fires that burn people's houses down. So we're here to lovingly, graciously confront false teaching. And not just confront false teaching, but confront people who are embracing false teaching so that they can turn away from it. We, which, look, listen to what says in Titus 1.10. For there are many rebellious people, full of empty talk and deception, especially those from Judaism. It's necessary to silence them. So Paul's saying, look, there are people who don't preach the gospel, and they must be silenced. So, beloved, first, we will always be controversial. Second, we will always be confrontational. Confrontational. Because we are dealing with something that's much greater than a fire, right? We're dealing with people's lives. Thirdly, our ministry will always be supernatural. I'll read the verses for that. Then Elijah said to the people, I am, am I the only one remaining prophet of the Lord? Baal's prophets are 450. Let two bulls be given to us. They are to choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and place it on the wood, but don't light the fire. I'll prepare the other bull on the wood and don't light the fire. Then you call in the name of your God, and I'll call in the name of Yahweh. The God who answered the fire, he is God. All the people answered, that sounds good. <laughs> what are they going to say? Um, then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, since you are so many... Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Then call the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that gave them, prepared it, and called the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us! But there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. Can you imagine this? At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, shout louder! May you know, maybe he's God, right? Maybe he's thinking it over. He's mocking them. I love it. It's my kind of guy. <laughs> if he, maybe he wandered away. In the Hebrew, it's literally it's like maybe he's going to the bathroom. <laughs> maybe he's in the God porta potty. Okay? Or maybe he's on the road. Maybe he's sleeping and he'll wake up. They shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their customs until blood gushed over them. 
All afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no sound, no one answered, no one paid attention. Beloved, we see here very clearly that ministry is absolutely supernatural. It means it's not based on the strength of numbers. There's one prophet of God and 450 prophets of the other one. And, it, and, and that doesn't make a difference. How many guys they have does not make a difference. Can I say this to you guys very uh, lovingly? How many people are in this church does not ultimately matter. What matters is not the numerical, you know, growth or size, but what matters is the God who we speak about. This is seen very clearly. They have a lot of people, and they can do nothing. Guys, in Miami culture, we think numerical strength is equivocated to being powerful ministerially. It's not. Or, we notice that he didn't have anybody with him in this. He was by himself, meaning that our ministry is supernatural in the sense it's not based on how many supporters we have. Look, it's great that we have supporters and people that are with us, but do you realize if we had no one in the city that was on our side, it would not matter because our ministry is entirely supernatural. You see this with him by himself. It's not even based on our ingenuity and cleverness. These people are like are dancing and doing all this stuff and still nothing. It's not based on how awesome worship can be. You know, how we can bring all these machines and all these talented musicians and have all this really great atmosphere. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with how smart our programs are, how we can have great stuff for kids and great stuff for young adults and great stuff for everything. It has nothing to do with that either. It has nothing to do with how relevant we could be, how excited we could be, how clever we could be, how nice our building is, how great our advertisements are. Nothing that we can do as people has nothing to do with God's power. Nothing. It is entirely supernatural, not about how clever we are and how, you know, how great we can make things to be, you know, on the ground level. I would even say it's not even based on the amount of our activities. Notice it says in verse 26, he, they called on the, on the name of Baal from morning until noon. So they did this for like six hours. And then later in verse 29 it says, all afternoon they kept on raging. So they thought, you know what? Maybe if we do more stuff, the power of God will come down. You know? But beloved, how much we do is also not connected to why we do what we do. We all, you know what we think in the church? We think the solution to everything is more stuff, more activities, more events, more programs, more staff, more everything. And the assumption is more busyness and more, you know, just stuff will bring the power of God. But guys, it has nothing to do with how busy we can be. It's entirely supernatural. And the last thing I'll say is that it's entirely supernatural. It means it's not based on our morality and our works and character. You say, why do you say that? Well, they began to cut themselves to basically make the power of God come down. And that's just really just showing, hey, man, maybe if we sacrifice ourselves and we offer ourselves and our blood is spilled, then maybe the power of God can come. But, guys, that doesn't matter either. How moral we are does not ultimately bring the power of God in this place. How strong we are, how, how great our offerings are, how great our commitments are, that's not what brings the power of God into the church. You know, like, we, we always think that it's about us, but let me, read, let me read a text that may help. Now, it's not about our offerings and our sacrifices and our morality. It's in Matthew. Matthew 16 says, verse 14, listen, so, Jesus asked, who do the people say I am? Some say John the Baptist, other Elijah, others Jeremiah, and others one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. So what is 
God going to build a church on? On Peter's confession that Jesus, you are the Messiah. So how does a church built? A church is built on the confession that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the crucified King. That is how we build ministry. It is entirely supernatural. But I want to say more as I unpack this. All right, our ministry is supernatural. It's not natural. Our ministry is reformational. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people approached him. Listen, listen to this. Then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of David to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name. See, the problem is, and that's, and that's, you know what's going on in the, in the time of the balls? They were doing new stuff. They were incorporating the culture and the religions around them and the new things around them and saying, hey, man, this is great. And Elijah's like, No. We got to go back to our roots. We got to go back to Abraham, back to the Genesis era where the altar and the covenants of grace were made. None of this new stuff. And beloved, I think that this is so important for our day because we think that because it's new and it's trendy, it's better. But biblically, beloved, we go back to something that's old to do ministry. We go back to the Reformation 500 years before when the gospel was recovered. And then we go back to the Apostle Paul 2,000 years where the gospel was recovered again. And then we go back to the times of the prophets where the gospel was recovered. And then we go all the way back 4,000 years to Abraham's era where the gospel was proclaimed. If it's new, beloved, it's not true. We're going back. You know, you know, you know, why, you know why these iPhones need to get replaced all the time? You know why? Because they stink. You only have to replace things over and over again because they're no good. Beloved, the gospel is not an iPhone that needs an upgrade every year with human cleverness. The gospel is this transcendent, old message that has been powerful and sufficient from the beginning. So this church will always go back to the gospel in history. Thousands of years back, we're not going to do new things. We're not about new stuff. Whether we're wearing this hat or the other hat, our church ministry will always be, by God's grace, help us, reformational. We will go back into our history where the truth transcends change. So Paul says, look, look what Paul says in, in, in Romans Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and singled out for God's good news, which he promised long ago through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The apostle Paul's gospel was not from the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul's gospel was from the Old Testament. It's very old. So our ministry is not only reformational, our ministry is covenantal. What I mean by covenantal is that we have a relationship with God which is intimate and formal, Okay? Look what I get. I get that from verse 31. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of Jacob. Jacob is connected to Isaac. Isaac is connected to Abraham. Abraham is connected to what? The promise that God made to Abraham to save Abraham in spite of anything in Abraham because of what a greater Abraham would do later. Saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar with the stones in the name of Yahweh. So here's a problem. You know what? You know what? You know what? In this time, oh man, I didn't put my timer on. Oh well, it's too late. <laughs> sure. Um, in this time, people had moved back from the unconditional promises of God given through Abraham and then progressed. And they replace it with a conditional view of relating to God. And you know what happens when you when we relate to God conditionally? Nothing good. You know what happens when we relate to God unconditionally? Good happens. And so 
Elijah's like, we got to go back to Isaac. Got to go back to Abraham where God relates to us irrespective of anything in us. You remember, you remember when you first got married and how when you first got married, um, you wanted to be loved for how they always saw awesome things in you? Remember that? Like, you don't see what I do for you. You don't see my cooking. You don't see my love. And, like, you always wanted to be accepted because you met the right conditions. And then you're married long enough. You know what happens? You're like, I just want you to love me irrespective of me, please. This is a lot. This is our ministry, beloved. We, we get all hype and all pumped about God relating to us conditionally. And when we really realize that we need God, you need to relate to us irrespective of anything in us because you can't relate to us any other way. And so, beloved, people think that revival and reformation is about kind of, you know, how are we going to bring revival? Let's bring some new conditionality into the church. And what Elijah is saying, you know how we're going to be here long term? You know how we're going to survive? You know how we're going to be preserved? Is that we stand on God's unconditional, unprovoked promises given to us in the gospel thousands of years ago. So our ministry will always be covenantal. Oh, man, I'm at my favorite part now. You ready for my favorite part? No, the fire is later in in the verse. There's actually fire that comes down in this passage. But that's later. It's later, man. Our ministry is cruci-central. Now, I I said it that way because this sounds better with the other points. But how about this? It's cross-centered. You're like, cruci-central, what is that? It's cross-centered. I get that from verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. And so all the people approached him, and then he repaired the Lord's altar. What's the Lord's altar? It's a place of sacrifice, of a substitute. And what is that? It is, a sub, it is an offering that would point to the once real offering of Christ. So he rebuilds the altar of sacrifice that had been torn down, and he took the 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of David. The Lord had come, saying, Israel be your name. So, beloved, in, in this time, everyone was going to some new work. And you know what Elijah was saying? we got to go back to the work of salvation. We don't need no new works, no new movement, no new this. We need to go back to what God has done for us in history through the altar of sacrifice. Um, I think that, you know, you know my, my, kid, my kids, they have, this, they have this interesting thing. Aeneas builds like these great Legos with his mom. Where's Rebecca? Oh, man. Anyway. So uh, uh, Rebecca built these great Legos with Adonis. And you know what happens? Abriella comes in there and down there and she, she just tears it down. And, and, you know. Um, and you know what, what happens a lot of times is that Adonis thinks, oh, man, because it was torn down, I got to start over and do something new. But listen, he did something good in the first time. He just needs to rebuild it. Doesn't need to be, and, and we think, because, beloved, we think that because people have torn down the Lord's altar of making us right through his bloody, unconditional sacrifice, and they're tearing it down all over Miami, we think, man, maybe we should build something new. And I like to say, no, rebuild the cross of Calvary every time. Go back to the cross. Don't build something new because people are tearing it down. Go back to that place of sacrifice where God loves us, saves us, because Christ was slaughtered for our sins. It means, beloved, we're going back to to, to say that our, our, our ministry is cruci-central. To say we're going back to salvation, not lesser things. You know, you know what the ball worship was like? You know what ball worship was like? It was like this. Well... Give an offering to God so he can make you fertile if you can't have a kid. Is that age appropriate? Is that, is that okay for kids to hear? I always get in trouble for when the kids are here that I say stuff. Fertile, it's not, I don't know. You, don't, you, want, you want prosperity in your home? Make an offering to Baal. You, 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 want, you, you want a better life situation? Make an offering to Baal. And so the offering for Baal was all about God being Santa Claus. And Elijah says, look, I'm going to rebuild the Lord's altar. You know what the Lord's altar is about? It's about me receiving forgiveness for my sins. 
not a bends. The Lord's halter is about him reconciling me and making me a child by virtue of his blood, not giving me a nicer life. The Lord's altar is about him justifying me and giving me a status and adoption and a new life in Christ where he loves me unconditionally, not for him to make my life simpler. The Lord's altar is about God's holy and furious wrath being satisfied over me because of Christ. Not me being more successful and all this stuff. And so, beloved, we're always going to be about that. Look, I'm thankful that God provides us with everything and we could ask him for everything. But listen, our ministry is always about what God has done for us on the cross of Christ, saving us from sin and hell and death and the devil. Not making the cross some Santa Claus provision. We will always be there by God's grace. And I'll say more about our ministry being cross-centered. Is that we're doing this not our way. You know, if you go back to the Old Testament, and God said, when you make my altar, don't cut the stones. That means don't put your little artistry on the stones. Take rocks and put them there as they are. So what, what Elijah's saying is that, look, we need to go back to the cross the way God wants the cross preached and not add our little tweaks to the gospel. You know, what, what, can, you, can you be more specific? Here, here, let me be specific. That means that when we preach the gospel, we preach about sin. We don't preach the gospel in our own little way and take sin out of it, you know, and instead of telling people they're wretched sinners, we say, hey, you're imperfect people that just lack purpose. No, no. When we preach the gospel, we preach it God's way. We say, you're a rebel. When we preach the gospel, we preach the cross of Christ. We preach his bloody, horrendous, kind of scandalous sacrifice where he was slaughtered in our place. Not some romantic, cute story. You know, like, oh, look at Jesus, and look, he's, he just loves you, and he likes you. No, 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 no. That's man, you know, tweaking the stones. We say, look at him bearing the wrath of your sins as your substitute. Look at that, Jesus. We preach Christ the way the Bible preaches Christ. We preach Christ saying to people that if you don't come to Christ... God will meet you on judgment day. It's not like, you know what? You re, you can, if you receive Christ, you know, you may, you know, you, you'll, you'll have a better family. And, 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 you know, like, you'll just, you know, get over all of your past issues. And there's no declaration of God's judgment over the sinner. You know what that is? Nice little stone. No, 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 no. We preach sin, hell, judgment, cross, crucified as we proclaim the gospel because it's God's gospel. We say God loves you as a rebel. God died for you as a rebel. And he saves you from hell as a rebel. We don't try to make it our own way. Our ministry is crucicentral. I'll say one more thing. It means that this is the one thing that we were going to always be focusing on doing. You know, you know what's interesting? How many things did the prophets of Baal do? They did a lot, right? Dance around, cut themselves, do this. What did Elijah do? Build one altar. You know, like, do you guys ever have those tents that you bring to the beach? And, like, you're trying to, like, build them the right way. So that, like the tent doesn't fly away. I can never do that. You know what I end up doing every time to keep the tent from flying away? I take a stinking big rock and I just drop it on the on the part of the tent. You see where I'm going with this? How how, how are we gonna how are we gonna be a church? How are we gonna love each other? How, how are we going to you know how are we gonna bring people to Christ? How are we gonna grow? We're gonna drop that one rock. That is enough to keep the weight down of every single need. We're going to preach the cross of Christ. You know, man, how are you going to counsel people? The cross of Christ. It's the cross of Christ. The altar is the one thing that this will define this church. Our church will not be defined by topics that are less than the cross. 
Look, we have views about different things, but that will never be what defines, that's never, that's never going to be that massive rock that we proclaim and that we live by, never. That's why I tell people, if you're looking for a church that has a really high view of a particular spiritual gift, you're at the wrong place. If you're looking for a church that has a particular view of the end times, you're at the wrong place. We focus on the power of Christ crucified every day, and it will never be about something less, ever. Whether we're 829, 629, 839, Christ crucified is our banner, always. And everything else, everything else, beloved, that is necessary and important will take its place underneath the cross of Christ. So our ministry is cruci central. Oh my gosh. What time is it? I don't have a timer. All right. All right. I, I, I'm all right. I have no timer, man, y'all. <laughs> our ministry is not just cruci central, cross centered. Our ministry is oppositional. Oppositional. Check this out. So after Elijah makes the altar, look what he does. He makes a trench around the altar large enough to hold four gallons. Next, he arranges the wood, cut up the bull, and placed it on the wood. Then he said, fill four water pots with water and pour it over the offering. You guys get the picture? If you put water all over the offering, it's not going to light, right? Just one gallon, two gallon, three gallon, four gallon. I mean, like he's, he's you know, like the, the, the splash zone in SeaWorld? He's making the altar, the splash zone in SeaWorld. Okay? Then he said a second time. Then he said a, <laughs> he said a second time. So they did it a second time. Then he said a third time. And he did it a third time. So the water on the, on the altar filled the trench with water. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. You know, <laughs> I'm going to give this illustration because I'm buying a home. When we, to buy a home... Almost everything possible that could go wrong in a loan went wrong. Richard's like, no, mine's worse. His, yeah, his situation is worse. But we made it to the end from the beginning, so like everything was with one house. And you know what? You know, you know what? When, when everything goes wrong and it seems like it will never work out and then it works out, you know, you know what happens in your mind? You know what you think? Like this must be a God thing. You see where I'm going? Beloved, God is in the business of throwing water on his altar in this church so that when stuff happens, it's really clear it's God. Hallelujah. You know what that means? We're going to have financial issues so that when this church continues, we'll be very clear that it must be God. We're going to have people issues all the time. Why? How the heck are you guys a church? Must be God. We're going to have conflicts from outside, conflicts from inside, all sorts of drama. Why? So God can say that this church is sustained by an invincible God. So guys, embrace it because we must always be doused with much water to make it clear that the only thing that makes us a church is the grace of God Almighty. Like, man, like, I want to go to a place where there's not much water. Do you know what that is? You know what that is? I want to go to a church that's sustained by the flesh. That everything that goes forward is empowered by man's ability to do a bunch of nothing. Beloved, we need to experience a lot of opposition and water so that when we get through this, we, the people say, what's the secret? It's not us. It's God and the Holy Spirit and the Lord of glory. We must have an oppositional ministry. It doesn't matter what season it is. Year one, year two, year three, year four, year five. This will be the reality. All right. Our ministry is proclamational. Our ministry is proclamational. At the time of the evening off sacrifice, Elijah approached the altar and said, Yahweh, he begins to preach about who God is. Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known 
that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that at your word, I have done all these things. At your word, I have done these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so your people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. So all these people are doing all this stuff and he's, Yahweh, Elijah's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk about God and then see what he does. You know, let me give you two pictures. You know the person that you meet that's always talking about themselves? And the person that you meet is always talking about somebody else? We are the second person. We don't talk about ourselves. We don't talk about what we do. We don't talk about, you know, who we are and, and all of our plans. We have this one amazing agenda as a church. We're going to talk about God. That's all we're going to do. Like, what are you going to do when you counsel couples? We're going to talk about Christ. And what are you going to do in the small groups? We're going to talk about Christ. And what are you going to do, you know, when you do a members class? We're going to talk about Christ. And what are you going to do when you have lost people come to here that are, you know, really worldly? We're going to talk about Christ. And what are you going to do on Sunday? We're going to proclaim Christ. We're not going to talk about ourselves. Oh, we don't matter. We have, a, we have a ministry that will always be preoccupied with God being the subject and we being not the subject. We're going to talk about him as much as we can like a bunch of silly newlyweds who can't stop talking about their wife. Because that's who we are. We proclaim the realities of our God to each other and to the world. And it's never going to be about us. We proclaim. We have a proclamational ministry. Uh, moving on as I keep going. Our ministry will always be, by God's grace, theocentric, God-centered. Listen, verse 36. Look what Isaiah, uh, Elijah says. Let it be... So he's saying, I want you to do something, God, but listen to his reason. Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I'm your servant. And then he says, answer me, Lord, so that this people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and have turned their hearts back. So he's saying, look, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to make this massive revival here because of these people. God, do it for your own name. God, do it for you. You know, you know, you know how you know how young men get married. You know, you know why we get married? Often, we get married because we're just sick of being lonely. We're sick of like we see people like they're married. Like, why can't I be married? Like, I want to be married. So we find someone, and they just, we just deep down in our heart, we're like, oh, I love you. No, so I'm just sick of being single. Or you're like. Man, I'm so selfish, and I feel like I can't just, like, uh, like make someone be all about me, so I'm going to find someone that I can just make be all about me, my husband, you know? We have all these wrong reasons for having relationships. But you know, why you, you know what's the real reason why you should pursue a marriage? I mean, yes, the God picture, but, like, how does it flush out to the ground? I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you because you are awesome to me. And, beloved... Our ministry will always be, by God's grace, about God being glorious for who he is in himself. Like, God, why do, God, why do you want people to be saved in this church? So we can grow? No, God, save people in this church so that you can get glory for yourself. God, why do we, why do we ask you to change us and transform us so that we can just feel better about our transformation? No. God, sanctify us by your grace so that you can be glorified in our change. Why do, I want, why do we want marriages to change? Why do we want, you know, things to change so that we can have just an easier home? No, 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 no. God, let the whole world know that you are God as you make this marriage different because it's all about you. You know, why do, why do, you know, that means our concern, beloved, is not for God to make all our situations different. God, would you please use my miserable situations to make your fame known because it's all about you and your glory and not about me having a better life. Beloved, our ministry by God's grace will always be God-centered for God's own sake. We'll always be about him no matter where we are. It is still 
centric. We don't want RCM to grow. We don't want people to grow because we want to feel good about our brand. But God and the Lamb is worthy to be worshipped for what he did. You know, why, 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 why do you do this and why do you care? Because Jesus is worthy. He, he died. I mean, like, like, God died. He died. The Son of God died. Why come to the cross? Because he deserves it. Why, why do we labor with little fruit? Because he deserves it. Why do we endure persecution and difficulty and gospel ministry? Because he deserves it. Why do we suffer and, and struggle? Because Christ, you are worthy because you died. This is all about him. It's not about us. Wherever we are. Um, <clears throat> I lost my voice, man. I'm, I guess that means I'm screaming more than usual. Uh, our ministry will always be, by God's grace, powerfully effectual. Verse 38. Then Yahweh's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. A non-supernatural ministry that is about the cross of Christ, that is about God's unconditional covenants, that is about that old gospel brings down the fire. And you know what the fire is? The fire is the presence of God. The fire is the presence of God. Remember in Pentecost, the, the, the tongues were on them as flames of fire. What that is showing is that the cross of Christ in history accomplished brought down the presence of God. And you know what? Let me, let, me, let me get in the kitchen of us a little bit. Like, you've been in my kitchen already. <laughs> you, know what, you know what's interesting about fire? Fire is not safe. Fire is not safe. You know, like, we were, me and uh, Joella and Mona were in a restaurant, and, like, you know, like, they had, like, the Asian people next door, and, like, and, like, and, like the fire... Like, man, that's not safe. Like, someone's going to, like, lose their eyebrows. And what, guys, what, what this is telling us, beloved, is that when we preach Christ, when we preach Christ the way he's supposed to be preached, when we preach Christ as our emphasis, stuff gets dangerous. Like, God's going to wreck your life. I remember one time I was in D.C. Uh, I used to do, like, street preaching in downtown D.C. Um, with some friends. And there was a guy that came up to us. And he's like, man, like, I feel like this God thing and this Jesus thing is, like, it's good, you know. And, and, and I like it. But I feel like if I get in, that, like, my whole life's going to end. And, like, I feel like my wife is going to have a problem with me. I'm like, you get it. This ain't safe, y'all. You come to Christ and everything about your life will be consumed over and over and over and over because that's what the presence of God by the gospel does. You're going to love your wife differently. You're going to treat your kids differently. You're going to see everything different because God's presence by the gospel is dangerous and powerful and mighty. It's not safe. Ain't nothing safe about this kind of ministry. People get burned, people get shish kebab, people get changed, and all of a sudden, you can't get away from the presence of God all the time. This ministry is powerfully effectual. It's not safe. Say a few more things. Our ministry is redemptively catastrophic. Redemptively catastrophic. I mean, it's catastrophic in like a redemptive way, not just catastrophic. Does that make sense? I get that from verse 40. Elijah ordered them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let one of them escape. So they seized them, and they brought them down to the Wadi Kishon, and they slaughtered them there. Um, we're not going to do that. 
but that still applies to us. We understand Old Testament things differently. They don't go away, you know. Um, you're like, how is that going to work? Hey, let me give you a picture. Um, you know, like when you have the boss, the new boss, and you know the new boss who comes in and he just works with the management there? That's one kind of boss. You know the other kind of boss that he comes and he just fires everybody? Beloved, I say this as humble as I can say is, we're here to shut down false religion. We're not here to work with the existing ball worship. Our ministry, the Apostle Paul's ministry, Jesus' ministry is a conquering ministry. We're not here to cooperate. We are here to shut you down by preaching the gospel and living, the gospel, living out the implications of the gospel rightly. You understand what I'm saying? Like, the devil's on notice. We are here to shut down false, non-cross-centered religion because it has no place in the world. It's hostile, y'all. I mean, like, man, it sounds so, I don't know, but that's how it is, beloved. We're not here to say, hey, man, you preach another Christ. That's great. You know, people are religious, and you preach another gospel. And you know what? Like, I guess, like, well, there's, like, a little bit going on. No, no, no. We are putting Miami on notice that the gospel must be preached or God will shut you down. And I'm saying that, (laughs) listen, I'm not saying you go and run around and find places, don't preach Christ, and say we're closing you down. I'm saying we have this kind of demeanor and tone and conquering attitude in this city. This is a devil's territory all around us. He has ministers all around us, and we're not playing games with them. Guys, have you read the New Testament? It's an, it's a, I mean, the terms of gospel advancement are like military terms. Like when Paul says we're here to advance the gospel, he, he's using terminology of Roman soldiers moving forward with spears. And so, beloved, listen, our ministry in Miami will always be confrontationally calling out and seeking for other places that are preaching false Christ to end. Not saying kumbaya. Isn't it great that we're all religious no matter what it is about? And I get that from Elijah's ministry, which is a framework for us, but we do it differently. We don't walk around, put people in the Miami River and execute them. (laughs) Our ministry is redemptively catastrophic. Our ministry is recreational. That's our last point. Our ministry is recreational. Let me give you a little background before Ahab. You know Ahab? Ahab is the guy who basically married a woman who was not from Israel, who was like a pagan kind of, I mean, they, they, they get the term Jezebel from, from her. And Ahab basically prostituted all true religion in Israel, okay? So he is the worst guy you could think of. He is Judas, you know, in this period. He, he's a sellout, right? Listen, listen. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink, for there's a sound of a rainstorm. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the summit of Carmel. He bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go up and look towards the sea. So he went up, looked, and said, there's nothing. Seven times Elijah said, go back. On the seventh time he reported, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming from the sea. And Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, get your chariot ready and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. A little more, the sky grew dark with clouds and wind, and there was a downpour. So Ahab got in his chariot and went to Jezreel. You know, you know what just happened? The pagan villain gets the blessings of rain. You know what that means? Metaphorically speaking, into the bigger realities, is that Elijah's prophetic ministry is to bring life-replenishing blessings to the most wicked people. What does that mean for us, beloved? We are not here. Listen, I'm glad for Christians who have found their way here into our church. That's good. 
But understand, we're not here so we can recruit a bunch of somewhat domesticated Christians to be with us. We're here for the Ahabs. We're here for the most troubled and most profoundly disturbed and the most broken people to come to know Christ and his salvation. We're not in Homestead so that we can do Christ-centered ministry and in being really Christ-centered and like reformed, maybe like Christians who want more theology can come here. That's not the crux of our ministry. We're here so that Ahab's who deserve the wrath of God and are lost in sin, can hear about Christ, come to Christ, and grow in Christ, and do the same. Beloved, I do not get it twisted. We are not here to be safe. We are here so this place can be as messy as possible because the world is coming into this place and we're embracing them as they are with the power of the gospel because that is what our ministry is about. Always, whether it's two sinners or 2,000 sinners, it doesn't matter. We have a recreational ministry. We're not here to, you know, you know what I think is a problem with Christians sometimes? We think it's our job to just kind of like talk about how world the world is. Oh my gosh, look at those people in Miami. They're so filthy. Oh my gosh, look at how they live. Oh my, that's not us. We don't look at the world like that. We don't look at Miami like that. We look at sin and the world and people lost and we say, man, they need Christ. I want them to come to Christ. As opposed to spending so much time talking about how wretched they are. By the way, you're wretched too. You just have Jesus in the picture. That's the only difference. So, beloved, listen. I love this text because I think it just summarizes transitions and what's happening and what's changing, what season, what year. Listen, we will always be holding to these things. We're always going to be controversial. We're always going to be confrontational. We're always going to be only supernatural. We're always going to be reformational, going back to those old truths which are enough to go through every generation. We're always going to be covenantal, focusing on God's unconditional promises. We're always going to be cross-centered. The cross is not a subject in this church. It is the subject in this church, always. We're always going to be dealing with opposition. As God shows us that this will always be only God that makes everything happen. We're always going to be here for God's own sake, not our own sake. We're always going to be here to bring chaos and destruction, spiritually speaking, to those who are promoting the wrong gospel. And we're always going to be here because we're in the business of recreating by the gospel the Ahabs that we have. Amen? Can we be about this, these things? No matter what is going on? That's my heart, beloved. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you give us something to hang our hats on in and through everything. And that is who your son is and what he's done. And how the Holy Spirit just is in the business of wrecking us with that over and over, and over, and over. Amen. That concludes our message, and we hope that you were inspired by it. If you'd like to hear more about the gospel or find out more about Reconciled Church Miami, please connect with us using one of the ways listed on our website, reconciledchurchmiami.org.